In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the Sukhut of speaking to Rob Rubin Brand, the founding Rosh Kola of the Yeshiva University Torah Mitzion Kola of Chicago and Dean of the Midwest Center for Jewish Learning. Before arriving in Chicago in 2008, Rabbi Brand was a member of the Bella and Harry Wexner Kola Eldion at YU, where he received his ordination from its affiliate, Ritz. Rabbi Brand has served as rabbinic assistant at Congregation Tomrei Torah in Fairnall, New Jersey, and holds a master's degree in Jewish education from the Azraeli Graduate School of Jewish Education and Administration and a BA in History from Yeshiva College. He also studied at Yeshiva Karim Bayavna in Israel and has published several articles on Talmudic topics and edited three different volumes of Jewish scholarship. Rabbi Brand is a founder of the Manachai, a student organization dedicated to the needs of Jews in Israel, including feeding the hungry and supporting victims of terror. Thank you so much, Rob Brand, for joining us today. It's a real zakut to have you with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I am delighted to be here with you. So it's Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you would take to a desert island, what they mean to you, why they're so important to you. Really looking forward to learning and finding out your three pieces. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? Let's do that. But I'll give an introductory word that maybe is going to put these three pieces under one umbrella. We're going to pitch this umbrella on our desert island and all the pieces are going to fit under this umbrella because this idea of desert island Torah, which is amazing and fascinating and very creative. It's also a way of thinking not just about the Svarim, but about a person's personal journey. Like uh, everyone's relationship with Torah is very particular. It's personal, it's unique. And when you first invited me, which was so gracious of you, and I'm so thankful, first I was thinking to myself, wow, that's very personal, very private. Like, do I want to share something so private? in a public square, in a public setting. It's like the Kodesh Kadashim of a person when you think about what Torahs speak to you and what does your neshama connect with. So I think for me, these three Torahs are really one giant Torah, one big Torah, one big theme. And that theme is something which has accompanied me in different ways throughout my life. And so I'm going to share, this is a public forum, but certainly these are things that speak very deeply to me. The first one is going to take us back to a Mutical Academy of Baltimore, TA. And one of the rabbis there, Rabbi Hershkowitz, he encouraged me strongly to set up a weekly chavrusa with him, which I did. And during this chavrusa, I wasn't the most studious or inspired kid, but this chavrusa, the book and the person who I met over the course of that chavrusa, although he had died in November of 1943, outside of a labor camp called Troniki in Poland, this person has had a huge outsized influence on my life. His name was Rav Klonimus Kalman Shapira, known as the Piasets Nerebi. And the book that we studied was Chovetz HaTalmidim. This is the book. I'm holding it up. You can't see it on the audio, but it actually, unfortunately, has mold in it. Uh, but I kept this book because it's been with me for many, many decades. And even though uh, it was in our previous house in the basement in a flood, and it has a little bit of mold. It just takes me and connects me to many years of of study and feeling inspired by the Pia Setzner. Now, the Pia Setzner taught um, in many different contexts, and he's probably most famously associated with his drushos from the Warsaw Ghetto, 
called published called Eish Kodesh, or more recently published uh, under the original title of Drashos Mishnos Hazam, Sermons from the Years of Wrath. And uh, the Rebbe was this inspirational beacon of light during the ghetto years, and even before from the outbreak of World War II in 1939, until after the destruction of the ghetto, and then he was in this labor camp until he passed away, was murdered on Dalit Cheshvan in late 1943. But before that, back in his heyday, you could say, well, not his heyday, but when things were peaceful, when life was normal-ish for Jews in Poland, the Rebbe was a Hasidic master with a focus on teenagers. And so in the late 1920s, he set out to write a book for students. He was the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva called Das Moshe. And this book that he wrote called Chovas HaTalmidim, which is what I studied with Rabbi Hershkowitz when I was 15 and 16 years old, it's about how we as young students, as high school students, can develop our spiritual path, our spiritual identity, and how we deal with various issues. And in particular, there is one note that in the edition that I'm holding in front of me, it appears on page Shlamid. It's in the section where the Rebbe is uh, speaking initially to the students, which is in the first parak. Before that, there is a very important an introduction to parents and teachers. But in this section, the Rebbe says to students, Ben Yakir, my son, and I can imagine he's talking to me at the age of 15 or 35, whenever it is, but there's a part of us that's at that stage, that developing stage, and it's true for boys and also true for girls, men and for women. He says, Efsha Tafahi Lomar, maybe you're gonna feel you're just a kid. Oh, you like to play ball, you like to hang out with your friends, and now we're gonna try to make you old men. He says, That's not true. Nar We're not telling you to give up your friends, we're not telling you to give up your phone. You know, he didn't have a phone, but we're not telling you to give up hanging out or playing ball. We're going to accomplish our spiritual goals without having to give away the fun parts of our personality. As long as we know how to play ball, what's the context, what's the way, what's the how? And everything af as The rebosham is part of everything. And this idea that we are meant to bring our full self, our humanity, all of us. And when we're adolescents, all of our struggles and all of our stupidities and all the things that we do that are foolish, to bring that all as part of our Avodah Hashem, to see everything, even all the things that might seem trivial and silly, but to see that that is part of our Avodah Hashem, that idea was extremely powerful to me. To be able to see a person as a human being and that the Rubona Shalom does not expect or want us to shed our humanity, and to expect that we're going to live some kind of monastic, ascetic life on a mountaintop somewhere, but to realize that even the other parts of our life, which don't seem to be part of ruchnius, part of spirituality, they're also part of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
And as long as we remember that that's part of our relationship with Hashem, not that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is standing over us, God forbid, with a stick or some kind of lightning bolt trying to punish us, but to realize that he's looking to see us develop at every stage that's appropriate for us, that to me is an incredibly empowering idea. That's the Torah of the Piyasetzner saying that you can bring, as a as an adolescent boy, you can bring your basketball to Avodah Hashem. And, and the idea that a Polish Hasidic master is telling me at the age of 15 that it's okay to play ball and you can still become the spiritual light to the world that the Rebbe expects of you, that was incredibly empowering. And that's really the core Nakuda that in many respects, many Hasidic teachings share in terms of embracing our humanity and seeing the disparate elements of our life, which are part of the human condition, part of the modern world, part of being living and being in an earthly existence, not trashing those things and not denigrating them and not running away from them, but finding ways to incorporate them, finding ways to incorporate your humanity in your avodah Hashem. And that brings us really to the next stage in my life. I'll translate uh, now over to a slightly older version of Ruvain Brand studying in Karen Biyavne or Torah number two. Any uh, questions, comments, or observations on Torah number one? It's great, a great idea. Um, loved the connection with Bo. The Pasuk says, Know God in all your ways. Um, and all your ways means not just when you're in the base midrash, but when you're playing ball. Um, and I think that's a great analogy. Um, so yeah, ready to go for number two. Yeah, and it's, it really bespeaks the fundamental point, the umbrella for me of accepting and embracing our humanity. That as an adolescent, it's normal for an adolescent to want to play ball. And that instead of denying that human reality, we bring that into our Avodah Hashem. That brings us to point number two. I'm studying in Yeshivat Karim Biyavne in a Hezder Yeshiva in Israel. And I was studying for the first time the teachings of the late Gadol Rav Shlomo Volbi. So we moved from the world of Hasidus to the world of Musser. Rav Volbi was uh, in Sweden at the same time that the Piasetzner was in Warsaw. And he comes to Israel after the war and he becomes this towering figure of, of ethics and morals and Musser bringing from his Rosh Yeshiva from before the war, from Rirucham. And he has a collection of teachings called Alei Shur. It's a two-volume uh, collection. And one piece which has stuck with me all these years, it appears in the fifth chapter. It's called Yemei Ha'ava V'yemei Ha'sinah V'ha'yiyush. And it's a similar theme, a slightly different angle, but a similar theme to the first Torah of embracing our humanity is recognizing that as human beings, we we struggle. We have ups and downs. And that as opposed to imagining that somehow we're going to eliminate the times when we feel uninspired or broken or distant, or feeling that we are a failure because we have that human frailty, rather, we can still embrace that and accept that. And what's amazing is that this chapter, Yemei Ava, the days when we feel 
we're in love with our Yiddishkeit, when we're on fire, when we're up, when we're inspired, and Yemei Asina, and the days when we're down, it's rooted in a passage that he quotes from the Sefer HaYashar. The Sefer HaYashar, which is a collection of teachings from Rabinu Tam, Rabinu Yaakov, the Balatosus, the great revolutionary Talmudic giant from the 12th century, he is so prescient that he teaches us this idea, which is, it's amplified and explained and explicated by Revolvi, but it's really now, you see, it's coming back from the days of the Balayatosos, where he points out that Rabbeinu Tam does, quoted by Revolvi here, it's just quoted in one big chunk, it's explained. He says that when a person engages in any project, when we when we start out, we have a feeling of excitement and we have a feeling of enjoyment. We have Hana, we have Taiva, but any Maise Sheishbu Shum Hana says, the Rabbeinu Tam, Tikanes Belivo Ha'ava Rishona, Ba'achakach Tosser V'Tikanes Belivo Ha'asina. After that initial feeling of excitement, engagement, inspiration, we are immediately, invariably, unavoidably felt, met with a feeling of rejection, of distance, of disdain, of pushback, Yes, there are going to be moments of excitement, but then the Rabbi Tam says that life is cyclical. We're going to first go through this period of we're inspired, we're tapped in, and then invariably we're going to hit rock bottom. We're going to be down in the doldrums, feeling what we could call Hasidic teachings, katna samochen, that smallness, this this entrapment. Ad kach that he describes it as yemei hasina, hatred. Rejection. The king is chalfutamid, he says. Yasar echad It's always going to be this cyclical pattern of feeling at the top and then feeling at the bottom. And the goal, says Rabbi Nutam and says Ravolbi, is not to imagine that this day of sinna, this period when we feel depressed or despondent or down, not to imagine that that's something that we can ever avoid. It's unavoidable. And once we accept that as part of being human, that we're going to have ups and downs, that what it means to be alive, Rav Cook describes, means that we have alios and yuridos. A person who, Rahman al-Islan, is in the hospital and they don't see any movement on the monitor. It's completely flat. It means they're not living, Rahman al-Islan. When you are alive, you have alios and yuridos, ups and downs. So therefore, he says, we shouldn't be frustrated or despondent or, God forbid, despair. A person who hits rock bottom, Rahman al-Islan, is, they are, they're in a state of great peril. Because if they're at rock bottom and they don't believe that they can get back up to the top, God forbid, they may, they may check out. They may check out on a relationship, on a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with mitzvos, and God forbid, lo aleinu velo, Al-Am Yisrael, a person might check out of life completely, Rahman al-Islan. But that's if they don't see, they don't believe that the bottom of the cycle ultimately will bring them back to the top. They're just maybe even in an extended period at the bottom. We have to accept, says Rabbi Nutam, that this is going to be a cycle. And the goal, says Rabbi Nutam, is at least, this is the guidance, at least something, hold on.
don't let go. Stay connected. You might be inspired one day and you're going to have a beautiful conversation with the Rebona Shalom. We're going to call it davening. It's going to be tefillah. You're going to be focused. You're going to be thinking and reflecting. And then the next day, you might be totally burnt out and you can't look the Rebona Shalom in the eye because you had some episode or something that happened and and you feel that you can't daven because you're in this katnas hamoch, in this in this place of smallness, you feel really trapped. But that's okay, says the Rabbi Nutan, because that's normal. That's what it means to be human. That's what the human experience tells us is going to happen. And therefore, you should believe that it's going to get better and just don't let go when you're at the bottom. So maybe usually, or yesterday, you had a beautiful long davening. Today, you maybe it's not going to be such a long davening. Maybe even today, you're going to skip some of Sugita Zimra. Maybe it's today you're not going to have the same amount of kavana. Maybe you're only going to daven a little bit. But that doesn't mean that it's not valuable. Of course it's valuable. And that that is actually the avoda. It's to realize that being human means that there are ups and downs. And that when we're at the bottom, we shouldn't despair. We shouldn't give up hope. And we should even be, says Rabbi Nutam, be realistic. Don't say I'm going to leave it all because I'm uninspired. I'm going to come back to it later. No. You have to make sure to hold on, but be realistic. When you have that moment of sinna, keshetikonis belibo hasinna, leval yaniach kolamaisa. Don't leave it all. But even Rabbi Tam says, realize it's not going to be that inspired, and that's okay. Embracing our humanity means understanding that even in times of challenge. We shouldn't despair because it's normal to have times of challenge. It's normal to have cotton and and feeling when we're trapped and uninspired. That's okay too. The same way that the PSSR is telling us that it's okay to play ball because that's part of being human as long as it's in the context of our Avodah Hashem, our relationship of being in a, in a framework that is spiritual. So the same thing when a person is in a difficult spot, when a person is at the bottom, and they're only doing a little bit, that's also the same thing. I think it emerges from the same component that a person, the same idea that a person in their Avodah Hashem needs to celebrate and embrace and lean into our humanity. As If you are an Adam Pnimi, a spiritual inner person, then that's going to be okay to be expressed through basketball. And it's also going to be expressed even in times of darkness, even in times of challenge and struggle. I love that. Such an important idea. Um, really, really important. Look, we, we have a reality in life today where many, many people, we struggle with all kinds of emotional challenges. And a person could be emotionally or psychologically or spiritually in a very dark and, and distant place. And they feel like, what's my... What's my avoda now? Or how do I think about my spirituality from a place of such disconnect? And the Rabbinu Tam says, that's okay. That's okay. Just don't let go. Hold on to that little raft, whatever it's going to be, that little piece that's going to keep you connected. Because hopefully you're going to feel soon back to the top, but don't despair because you're at the bottom. And that's the nature of being human, I think. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So should we go into your third Let's do it. So in recent years, I have been influenced by another amazing 
Torah personality who went to medical school not far from where I am speaking to you from right now. Right now I'm in Skokie, Illinois, and just about 90 miles north of here is Marquette University. And then in the 1950s, they had a very distinguished member of their medical school, a student who got a special scholarship from someone who grew up in Milwaukee, went to public school, was the son of a Hasidic master, and he himself became a spiritual giant. His name is Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Tversky, Zevar Tzadik Labracha. Passed away just a few years ago, and I never had the opportunity to meet him in person. But I was once, uh, not too long ago, several years ago, I was once in someone's home for a visit, and I happened to be davening in this person's home, davening mincha, with a minion that was meeting in their home. It's a whole long story how I ended up there and why I was there. But when I'm in people's homes, invariably, as someone who is a student of books and loves learning and always, uh, always on the lookout for what's interesting, I'm very curious about what's on people's bookshelves. So I leaned over and picked out a book on the bookshelf from Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Tversky. And this book was entitled Life's Too Short. And I had never really studied any of Dr. Tversky's works before. And this book blew my mind. And it turns out that this is just one of over 80 books that Rabbi Dr. Tversky has published. But I heard him once in a, in a lecture that was recorded, I heard him once describe that all these books, all his books are all about one theme. And this theme too is the same nakuda, the same point, the same umbrella as the previous two Torahs, just again with a different angle about understanding the spirituality of of being human, of being a person. And he talks about the importance of self-esteem. And he tells a story in that book, and this story actually is published elsewhere in several of his other books, about how when he was the director of a psychiatry unit in a hospital outside of Pittsburgh, and he was working tremendous uh, caseload and very long hours, he was burning the candle on both ends, worried he was gonna burn out, on the brink of exhaustion. So he knew he needed to take a break. His back was bothering him. So someone suggested he go to Heart, Heart, Hot Springs, Arkansas. He's going to go to Hot Springs and immerse in the mineral baths. And that will give him some reprieve, a chance to relax. And he describes how he left the office. He left the patients. He traveled to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and he arrived at the spa. So the attendant gives him the towel and takes him into this little cubicle or this little room where there's a, a, uh, a spring with the, the, like a pool and he gets into this little pool and he sits there and he says, after a couple of minutes, he rings for the attendant and he says to the man, thank you so much. It was really very nourishing, very refreshing. Water's warm and swirling and it's great. I'm ready to go. Okay, thank you. What's next? And the man said, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, sir. But the treatment is you have to sit there for 25 minutes and then we'll move to the next thing. But you must remain in the bath for 25 minutes. And Dr. Tversky describes that sitting in that bath alone for 25 minutes uninterrupted was purgatory. It was Gehenim for him. And he started to wonder, what's wrong with him? Why couldn't he be alone in the bath by himself for 25 minutes? And he started to realize and reflect on the fact that he wasn't comfortable with himself. 
he was struggling with self-esteem. And when he goes on to describe in many of his books is how in his estimation, as a psychiatrist who has treated over 40,000 patients with every conceivable addiction and psychological ailment, he says that aside from chemical imbalances, the root of the challenges that he has seen in his practice is a challenge of self-esteem. And what he develops is a language around self-esteem, which is rooted in spirituality, in Ruchnius. That a person's self-esteem comes from their Tselem Elohim, from their being a human being who is created in the image of God. And that instead of looking to the outside for validation, we need to look within ourselves and realize that the source of life, the Rabboni Shalom, God, the master of the universe, who wakes us up every morning, that source, the Rabboni Shalom, is the source of our self-worth. That means that we're worth living today because the Rabboni Shalom is giving us that life. Self-esteem is about feeling that we are worth being loved. We have value. We have potential. And this idea that being human means being loved by the Rebbe by being that the Rebbe believes in us, that self-esteem is at the core of what it means to be a functioning person, and of course, ultimately, a spiritual person and a religious person. But Dr. Tversky opened my eyes to realize that our human struggle with self-esteem, which has only been exacerbated in recent years because of all kinds of technological and social developments, that idea of finding our humanity is really at the root of finding our spirituality. If we think about what does it mean to embrace our humanity, that we have accomplishments and struggles and, and successes and failures and things which we're proud of and things that we're disgusted by and all the, the complexities of being human, but ultimately that humanity, that uniqueness is rooted in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the Rebona Shalom who gave us the makeup and this complex identity that we're trying to develop. And so instead of being embarrassed by our humanity, we should really instead lean into the fact that the Rebona Shalom, the Rebona Shalom made us this way and that he is asking us and calling on us to refine ourselves, but from a place of feeling embraced and strong, that that humanity is not something to be embarrassed from and to be ashamed of and to run away from. And so what Dr. Tversky writes in so many of his books is about how self-esteem is associated with spirituality and that what we need to enhance is our self-esteem, our humanity through our spirituality. Maybe it's captured in one phrase, one fascinating phrase by Reb Tzadok HaKohen of Lublin in the Tzidka Tzadik, where he says, Kashem just like a person has to believe in God, so too a person has to believe in themselves. We should not be discouraged by our humanity, which means that we have all kinds of complexities and challenges and setbacks. Rather, we should realize that the revolution is giving us this opportunity to ennoble ourselves, to inspire ourselves, to raise ourselves up. And so instead of looking to others to find validation, we look 
inward. We look to ourselves. Instead of feeling ashamed about the fact that we have challenges, we should see them as opportunities for growth. And so here too, we find the idea of a spiritual path within our humanity. It's, it started when I was younger with the Piasetzner, and then it continued with Revolvably with Ali Shur, and it's only grown stronger and stronger in recent years as I have become much more of uh, a devotee and a student of Dr. Tversky. But there are many other Torahs uh, that express this idea. But these are just three brief perspectives on that same umbrella that their Bono Shalom, he sees us and we need to see ourselves as human beings that are in this process of growth, that are Anashim Panimim, we are spiritual beings, and that we're in this journey, not despite being human, but their Bolshom put us as people who are human. And that's hopefully a life that we can lead that will be continuously growth oriented and not uh, and not not full of despair, rather one full of hope and of confidence. Absolutely. So important and inspiring. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was great to learn with you. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Looking forward to future opportunities to collaborate, to to share Torah with the broader community and Tiskal and Mitzvahs. What an amazing chesed, an amazing opportunity that you're providing for people. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.